Hello, and welcome to Second Helpings, a Grace Fellowship podcast designed to serve up another round of insight and application from our Sunday morning corporate worship gatherings. Pull up, dig in, and get filled as we take another taste of God's greatness. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Second Helpings. I'm Pastor Zach, and I'm joined again by Pastor Dan from a hiatus. Yes. <laughs> Having the week off there for uh, last week. Hanging out with a grandchild. There you go. That's right. That so was the bonus. Did you, did you feel like you could just, you just picked back up, you were in the swing of things? Because for those of you, Dan's got seven kids. Yeah. So he's going to have like 64 grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, are, are you somebody ready? did figure out the bad. <laughs> it was a lot. Yeah. No, you know, it's interesting is because I didn't get really worn out because I had my three daughters and wife with the grandbaby. So I didn't really get to hold the grandchild a lot. So I was kind of stir crazy looking for stuff to do. So no, I could re-engage back yeah. into the week. Work yeah. smarter, not harder. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Bring in the reinforcements. Yeah, that's good. Well, it was good to have you back. And uh, obviously we're in Second uh, Timothy still moving into chapter four, verse one. I can't remember if you said this yesterday, if it came up in conversation later. Uh, something we don't often think about. This is the last, well, he didn't write chapters. But yeah. for us, this is the last chapter Paul writes. Yeah. This is the conclusion of everything that he's given us. So not that it necessarily means any more weight than what just came in the previous few verses, but just as we get into this idea, um, it is interesting to think about this great apostle who's impacted us so much. And these are kind of his last words that we receive from well, him. Well, yeah, because we'll get into, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the, the race, I've kept the faith. Uh, so verse 7 of chapter 4. So he totally knows. Yeah. There's a sense in which he feels the gravity. And so... Uh, you're going to say things that are really important. Yeah. Everything's really important. All the letters inspired. Yeah. But there's a sense in which there's a revealed gravity yeah. that happens as we move through this letter that you can almost feel in the re- last remaining paragraphs. Yeah. It's something I haven't thought about. As I was leaving yesterday, I was singing um, one of the lines from one of the songs we're doing because... Uh, of course, we tried to, for this particular service, we try to make the songs kind of set this, the scene for this living in view of Christ's return and the King yeah. or whatever. And I was singing one of the lines from the songs. I just kind of looked up in the sky and I just said out loud, like, oh, Lord, rend the heavens. Come now. Like, mm. do it. Um, and I, I stopped and I thought, you know, that's interesting. We should live in view of this. We totally should. And I thought, you know, if that was to occur, because uh, my family and I drove separately. Yeah. I thought I would never actually see my family in the same way that I see them every day now. Everything would be done wow. in a yeah. beautiful way, yeah, yeah. right? It'd be it'd be awesome. Yeah. Like if the Lord interrupts this filming right now, I'm more than happy yeah, to go good. home. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but it just makes you think about every single aspect of what we're doing in life. Almost you should live that like it's your last thing. It's being faithful to the thing that's before us, and it just mm. gives us a kind of stick to itiveness, you know, kind of a, uh, let me be diligent about with the moment the Lord's put in front of me. And we definitely see that with Paul, Yeah. whether or not, I know there's some brothers and sisters that have thought that Paul might even have supernatural insight into this might be the end. I don't know. I have heard some actually compelling arguments for that. Yeah. We can't get that from the text, obviously. Mm. Um, but he's obviously a man who was about a task and he is keeping his nose to the grindstone and that grindstone is the glory of God mm. and he's doing it with Timothy. So that's an interesting thing to think about. And then really a great segue into thinking about this text. I'll read it again for us as we're refreshing chapter four, verse one, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. 
And we've mm-hmm. talked, of course, about a lot from there. One of the things, Dan, I just mentioned with you before we started mm-hmm. was this isn't new news to Timothy. No. Right? This isn't, he would have gone, oh, Paul never said that to me before, yeah. right? Paul's obviously invested in Timothy. Paul seems like the kind of guy that probably wasn't hiding his personality in the process. So he's reiterating these things, right? Mm-hmm. He, these are important things for him to know. So just kind of a little bit more of where, where do we think, I don't know what we think, but what do we see Paul reiterating into this guy who's dealing with this stuff in Ephesus? Yeah, he pulls back, verse one said, this is the charge, the third time he's done it in the two letters. And the idea is that keep your eyes focused on who's watching. It's the Father in Christ Jesus. Uh, so he's going to come back. Is it, a, is it appearing in his epiphany, the word, the basis of the word is. And so therefore, let that be your focus. Not the people, not the hardship, not the difficulties, not the details, but he is watching. So let that be your motivation. And then as you're leading people, you are going to traffic in five particular imperatives in verse two. And so if you're doing these things, you'll be successful in being faithful. But if you're not doing these things, you'll never know if you're being successful because you can't use the metric of what the world might have, can't use ease of life. So therefore, that's why these are really important. When he comes back, he's going to judge you on these things, not on things you might think are ministry, not on things you'd like to think are ministry, but this is the way you do it. So we see the life of Christ that he trafficked in these things. Paul modeled for Timothy. And now he says, here's the baton. This really matters. Be faithful. Go at it. Yeah, and you know something we didn't you talk about yesterday, obviously not in the context of the message, but from a more academic standpoint, we actually see early church fathers and the people following doing these things. Yeah, like this is what persisted in their ministry. Athanasius, uh, um, I can't remember his name now. Um, Origin and these guys, yeah, yeah they're, they're they're preaching, they're proclaiming the truth of God's word. Mm-hmm. They're using it to rebuke and to reprove. They're kind of doing this. This is how what we see in Scripture with Christ. We see the apostles doing this. Paul, Peter does it in his letter. Yeah, but it's just kind of early church. We see them continuing these things. Of course, there's more, right? Sure. There's more we do, but it is never less than this, yeah. right? These are the things that he did think was important for Timothy to hear. Yeah, in and, if, and if you think about it, these actually cover the the spectrum of relationship. So the idea of preaching the word or reprove and rebuke in season and out season, uh, you see all that exhort. That's essentially the spectrum. So whether it's exhorting someone and kind of carrying someone after they've been rebuked, or it's the reproving of somebody, that correctional thing in season or out of the season, when you feel like when you don't, preaching the word, declaring what is true versus what is not true. If you think about it, that's the spectrum of relationship right there. And so function in your relationships in these ways. So that's why this isn't unique for a pastor, although it's written for a pastor. This is for all the body of Christ, and this fundamentally is within our relational dynamic, all of these things. Yeah, I think that's a good point to bring out, too. Like, we need to remember there are no mic drops in the kingdom of God, Yeah, right? Yeah. The, you don't just go, boom, oh, he brought the word. What happened after he brought the word, right? What happened after you proclaimed the truth of God's scripture? Re- rebuking is personal. Reproving somebody, yeah. that's personal. Teaching, that's personal. We think yeah. of this neo-Western kind of stay in front of a classroom and just pontificate. That's not the teaching Paul's talking about. Yeah. It's the teach for effect. So if we don't have that personal aspect of we're actually affecting change in one another's life according to the truth that's being preached, we're, that, that's not what Paul was telling Timothy to do. Yeah. And it's interesting. We didn't even actually break this out. We, we'll touch on it this week with complete patience and teaching. So in other words, he says, be patient with people who don't get what you're doing. But help them understand, help them understand the principles that are driving the reproof, driving the rebuke, the the in season, out of season. In other words, 
recognize not everybody's going to be where you are, Timothy. And so just like Jesus was patient with the disciples, you do the same. So none of this stuff is new, but it needs to be reiterated because we just, we just lose it so fast because it's in church, especially in the West, we can think, wow, church would be greater if we had this, or if we had this, or if we had this. And sometimes we do it to the exclusion Mm. of these dynamics. So in other words, let's not rebuke people or a person because that could hurt their feelings. Well, no, they're wrong, but let, let's just let's be about love. That's not love. And, and so then you go, okay, yeah, we've redefined love. Yeah. You know, ever since the 60s, yeah. love has been being redefined. All the pop songs, if you love me, you'll do this. Make much of me. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so the the challenge is is that we start making church very, very complex. When he lays this out within the dynamic of a relationship, this is how we operate. And so there you can ask yourself whether you're a pastor or somebody if you've been in the church for 10 years, have I ever exhorted somebody or mm. reproved somebody or have ever got to the point that I, I think that I can take the season off versus mm. engaging and seeing my relationship through the through the, the the tunnel of Christ's ministry. All my relationships are meant to be relationships in which I'm trying to encourage people in Christ, uh, praying for people. Mm-hmm. If there's if you ever point where you think I can just take time off and um, I can sit this one out, you go, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. No, you can't. Yeah. Because this is what church is. Now, if you go to a church where you go, I can be a sightseer and that's okay, uh, and that's how they define church. Then you go, well, how exactly does that fit? Yeah, there's no, that, that's not in Paul's paradigm. No, yeah. no, it's completely to form, yeah. not only Paul's paradigm, but church history up yeah. until about, uh, I would say the early, late seventies, early eighties. So that's completely foreign. Yeah. Well, I've even, I've heard some people say before, um, I, I take exception with this being because he's one of my buddies from the grave. But with Spurgeon, they'll go, well, Spurgeon built a big old tabernacle and he would get there, preach to these thousands of people that he could never interact with. Sure. And I want to say, yes, you're right. And Spurgeon spent the rest of his time all week by himself. That man was pouring his life out oh. into his people, into people that weren't even his people. It probably killed him the way he poured himself out. Yeah, you have the pastor's people. college, you have the yeah. orphanage, you have, there's a lot of interactions that we aren't aware of, yeah. but you you can absolutely be assured that it wasn't that he was in a silo someplace. Yeah. And we need to, I think, I don't, I don't want to just think about, I'm not trying to bash people, but we want our brothers and sisters who might not be with us forever. Um, I mean, in this location, right? Yeah, for sure. To, to be able to think about this if they move on somewhere else. If you go to a place that says they're doing ministry and you're sitting under a pastor who gets up there and preaches and never pastors, never does this stuff. Yeah. I'm not saying run, but I'm saying maybe don't settle. Yeah. And I think that the challenge is, is you might not know, but so engage, yeah. ask how exactly they extend pastoral care, kick the tires on that. Uh, and we're not trying to get anybody ticked at their pastor. Believe no. me, we yeah. want God-centered teaching. We want uh, pastors that love the Lord, whether they are inclined toward these things or not. We just want people to ask the questions. We want people to get into the text because... If you're not doing this, you're not being as healthy as you could be. You're not yeah. spreading the fame of God as much as you could be. Yeah. So therefore, encourage one another with these things. Encourage a pastor, because he might feel like, if I do this, then I'm not able to do more of the environmental accoutrements mm-hmm. on Sunday morning and have the things that maybe attract people. Encourage him and say, listen, that's okay. Let that's right. us reach our friends yeah. You feed our souls. You help us understand how do we exhort people? How do we reprove? How do we do those things? Why would we do this? What does the text say? And then we'll do what our missional value is. 
And, and I think that will really relieve a lot of pressures from pastors who may really want to do this, but never have known how to do it. That's a great point, Dan. I do think there's a lot of brothers that really struggle with that. And that's something that would be very, from a from a congregational standpoint, could be very helpful in supporting their pastors that are up there preaching, right? Yeah. Don't throw grenades as much as maybe put a ladder against the wall and have a conversation, climb to where he is, or get into his space and go, I appreciate you. I care for you. Thank you so much. How can I be a benefit to you? How can we live out these things that we see in the text? How do we we regularly create a system, an environment, a culture in which people can be reproved and they don't feel like they're not being loved? Yeah. How can we create a culture in which we can give and receive rebukes yeah. that are balanced and biblical and caring and we're for you, not against you? Yeah. Pastors would love to hear that yeah. and, and know that we're going to stick around. Even if we disagree with some things you do, uh, we're going to stick around as long as you hold up the values yeah. that Christ would hold up. Those conversations, I mean, that's popular terms, whatever, but relationship building is so valuable in so many ways. I mean, we could talk for hours about what happens between pastors and their congregation when they're having communicative relationships, talking about these things for one another's betterment, right? Yeah. Like we're, because we're sitting here and we're pastors or staff, pastors, whatever, it's like we got this all figured out and we don't need anybody else, right? Oh, no. The people no. are interacting with us in a very no. powerful way. And I'll tell you one of the great things that happens for me, I don't know if you do this, I know I'm a little weird. I know more than a little weird. <laughs> well, that's the confessional part of our program for today. One of the great things when I'm preparing a message, usually the exegesis and stuff, that's all fun, but that usually happens really quick for me. And I'm trying to think about when I'm preaching, my aim is that I would exalt the Lord from the text, that our people would see them and be molded in his image, right? They would ex they would exalt over him. Hmm. And I think about, I need so-and-so to understand. I think about people that I know, that I have sure. a relationship with. Yeah. Like, if I say this this way, am I going to properly help them to see Christ or the Lord in this text? And because I know you, yeah. you have impact on the way that I bring the words. Like, I think about, I want to communicate this. Yeah. If I don't know these people, if I'm not yeah. in a relationship with them, I'm not going to be an effective minister. And I think this is almost taken for granted in Paul's yeah. speaking to Timothy because there was no concept of Timothy not being engaged with his people. Yeah. It's just foreign. Common now, completely foreign. And I think know your audience, basic kind of public speaking dynamic, and that if you're hearing a pastor at a church speak on something in a certain way, it's because his people, he knows his people, and his people can hear that, and they can receive it, and that's yeah. a certain style. It may be you're in a church that a pastor can't be as bold on something or demand something from you from the text because you're not there maturity-wise. Yeah. There's a lot of things going into yeah. this, but no pastor should have the right to dismiss any of these. Oh, it yes. may be that's, how yes. he may administer it differently, yeah. just like a doctor might go, listen, you need chemo, but you can't take it all in a month and a half. Yeah. We're going to spread it out over three or four months. So a pastor will know his people. And that's why get to know your pastor so he can know who you are, so he can know how fast, how deep, how aggressive he can be. But make sure the heart of your pastor is he wants to be deep, he wants to yeah. be aggressive, he wants to love, he wants to make much of Christ. Uh, because in that way, he'll, he'll find himself in a good place. But if he's trying to manipulate or if he's trying to uh, customize the message uh, in his own strength, can make something happen, nothing good's going to happen in that. Yeah. It's going to well, blow up. And, and unfortunately, we, we have, unfortunately, we have some wreckage that we can see of yeah. that that's happened over the years. Sure. Um, and, you, you know, 
ministry can be a complex thing, especially in a world that hates us. Like, sure. I think it's important to remember that the world we live in doesn't want us to succeed in what we're doing. Um, so it can be difficult. So again, remind one another to be generous, but we're looking at people's hearts. You're seeing here when Paul's giving a charge to a man to do this in view of who God is. Yeah, I think that's something, I know everybody's like, don't be judgmental, but I think you should pay attention and look for, to be following pastors, ministers, where their overt mission is the king. Like sure. you see Christ, right? We've talked about this before. If you go to a great worship service and you go away, like, oh, that was awesome, whatever, and you go, well, what was about Christ? I, I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't great, right? So we can't judge people's motivation, but you can at least hear what they're talking about. Yeah. Like if somebody's not talking about our Lord and his kingship and his kingdom and his coming and these kind of things, if they're not talking about that with great expectancy and looking forward to it, then you don't have to question whether or not it's motivating them yeah. because it's obviously not working at all. So at least have them talking about it, but then go, does their life look like they actually do that? Yeah. And Paul's taking for granted here that, Timothy, you know what's coming. You know why we're doing yeah. this. Yeah. Therefore, go do. Yeah, and that's where that's why we're concentrated so much in this because that's the subject of 2 Timothy. So we're not interested in being kind of heretic hunters. Yeah. We're not interested in, you know, uh, identifying all the pastors, we're not that at all. But we want to put the 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 balance or the level or the the plumb line against what does Scripture say. Evaluate uh, what your ministries are doing. Pastors encourage you to go after this. People who are going to church encourage you to go after this, no matter what context you're in. Because verse three next week we'll yeah. get through three Good. through five. Time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Yeah. Okay, okay. So this is a big deal. A time is coming where people won't endure sound teaching. So the preaching of the word, they won't appreciate being reproved. They won't like in season and out of season. They won't like being rebuked. They won't like being exhorted. Their patience will run out. They're not interested in your teaching. All right. Because yeah. he says it's going to happen. Yep. Just like Jesus says when he leaves, hey, just know I'm leaving. Yeah. In other words, he prepares them for this. So it's not a shock to their system. Yeah. So they understand we have to have our radar up. It's got to be on. It's got to be tuned because if we want to make much of Christ, there's coming a point where people won't. What is that? The implication yeah. of our fellowship. What is the implication of our families? Where we live? Mm-hmm. Where will I work? Yeah. In what state will I live in? Yeah. There's a lot of implications for these passages. I think it's super important to remember, too. I think we can read this, you know, several centuries later and think he's talking about the future of Timothy. He's talking about Timothy in his circumstances. Yeah, this yeah. happened to you, Timothy, is, yeah. in Ephesus, right? Um, yeah. that, which doesn't mean that it's not going to occur now. We know yeah. that it does. But I mean, this is regular This is regular occurrence in people who are going to proclaim the truth of the coming king. This is what's going to happen because people don't want this, right? Yeah. And if you look at the seven letters to the churches... Ephesus is one of them. So therefore, in a very short time, what he says here is lived out. And so therefore, uh, we in the Western world, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, you look at all of them, they're they're an example of this too. So in other words, it it naturally happens. People don't naturally become orthodox. They naturally (laughs) become unorthodox. How did they get there? They avoided the things that were the things they need to be about yeah. one step at a time very often. And so eventually they they end up there. So as we kind of get into that, it's not to scare people and it's not to make us more judgmental. It's to raise a level of discernment, our awareness, our biblical vitality. And that's why we that's why we go through things like this. Yeah. And I do think also in our context, it's important to remember that point of you sharpen those skills of discernment, of doing these things, of proper rebuking 
in the local church. Yeah, totally. Right? This is not, yeah. Paul writes these yeah. letters that we look at as the pastoral epistles, the two to Timothy and yeah. to Titus in a context, in a local church where he's expecting people to work these things out. That doesn't mean these truths can't be applied to the greater church. There's principles from here, we apply them. But I think we tend to jump right out and we yeah. don't realize Paul's talking about ministry in a church. Yeah. The reason I say that is we have to value first and foremost, the local body that you're within. Yeah. And you sharpen these skills of discernment. Yeah. And then you can worry about the internet or your cousin's church in Montana or what. If somebody has a cousin in Montana, I'm not talking about their church. That was, what is their you know, name? I know. I just probably nailed somebody. Right? Um, but that's not our first concern because that's the way we see things working out over and over again. Paul does write to Rome. That's a pretty, uh, if you look for a parallel to modern yeah, America, yeah, yeah. right? But it's a different type of letter. And he concerns himself with different yeah. things. And doing these, these things and these aspects of working out ministry, talking about these false teachers we've talked about before, yeah. the importance of the word, talking about the patience, that means to happen with the body. And if you're not engaged, if you think you're just applying this out to what's happening out there and you're not engaging with it in here, yeah. I would challenge you that you're missing these texts. Yeah. If you're not actively making disciples in your own life, you're not actively doing what God has called you to do, Christ has called you to do, then really stop paying attention to the church that's 2,000 miles away, trying to correct them. Because you're just being silly at this yeah. point. You're just immature. So your maturity is proven by the characteristics that are in your life and your faithfulness to the call. So if you're not actively sharing the gospel with your friends, but you're you know, correcting someone's eschatology 2,000 miles away, I think you have the problem. Yeah. They don't have as much of a problem. Yeah. And, and I think it's really important. And I think the irony is, like, just from a practical standpoint, you got a bad tactic. Like, if you totally want to impact the world, yeah. impact your body. Like, impact here. Yeah. And I don't want to do a one-for-one -one model for this because Jesus obviously impacted the world. But you do see this nature of where these close relationships are very important, right? Mm. He, he calls these people to follow him, and we nurture that. And we see that modeled through us again and again in Scripture. Um, not that there wasn't big global impact. There obviously was. Sure. But you want to change the world, change your pews, like the people that yeah. are sitting with you Sunday in and Sunday Yeah, out. you got 24 hours. Like the president of the United States has 24 hours. So you, everybody has that limitation. When Christ came, why didn't he come uh, like now, live for a week, go to the cross, just be on the internet, have a YouTube channel. He spent time with people. You got the 12, you got the, the 70, you've got the 120. Uh, there was this um, step down with the relationships and then he had the crowds and it points to the crowds walk completely away because Jesus knows the value of division in that regard. And at the end of his life, you would have thought that he was a complete failure. Mm. If you look at it, but within 17 years, yeah. it says it turned the world upside down because the Holy Spirit comes and charge, charges the, the believers with the message of the gospel and it goes out. But you would think, I'm not putting my money on this horse, yeah. but that's exactly God's plan. Just stay with God's plan. So if a church says, well, we think we can do this and reach tons of people, but it violates something in scripture or doesn't uphold the value of the church, go... Yeah, you might be able to, but the Jurassic Park principle, mm -hmm. just because you can doesn't mean you should. Because yep. remember that when they asked, just can we make dinosaurs yep. versus should we, people die. That's right. And so that's the Jurassic Park principle, yeah. and it happens all the time in churches. Yeah. And I think you alluded to it yesterday, or you didn't allude to it, you talked about it yesterday about being satisfied with the tactics we're giving in Scripture. Giving yeah. in scripture. And this is not just here. It's not just even in Jesus' tactics. It's over and over again. Gideon, you got the, oh, like, the Lord always uses throughout Scripture yeah. tactics that we would be like, what is wrong with this guy? I was actually going to cite, uh, but I didn't have time yesterday, Noah. Noah was one of the greatest examples. So when 
Peter talks about that he warned people or he heralded people. He was preaching the word. So imagine, you know, the time he's spending building the ark, people are walking by, people are engaging as he's applying pitch or he's cutting a piece of wood. He's telling them what's going to come, what's going to come, what's going to come. But he's being faithful to what he's going to be doing, but he's, he's preaching the word, preaching the word. And how crazy he must have looked like building a giant boat. His tactic stunk from what they would think. And from what they would understand, but he believed what God said. And so the same thing we do today, Gideon, you know, Joshua, you've got just even the whole idea of Abraham, finally, (laughs) Abraham, and you've got Egypt, you've got the formation of Israel coming out of Egypt. Where are we going to, we're leaving you, where are we going to go? They're in front of the, 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 the body of water. I mean, you think what a terrible plan this is. Well, I mean, the idea of God will, wherever God leads you, he'll provide for you. That's the idea. So what we just concern ourselves with is recognizing he's God, we're not. The truth of the Bible, how do we apply that as consistently, as sincerely as possible, recognizing that uh, we are but humble servants, never wanting to be arrogant, never want to do anything. Our fire comes from, hopefully, the truth of the word. So when we speak in a declarative way, it's not because we're smarter than people, it's just because... We think that's what the Bible says. And if we're wrong, please tell us because absolutely. we don't want to be wrong. No, absolutely. The Lord will prove over and over again. He will do things according to his way because he is jealous for his glory. Yeah. And it, I would hope that we would be as well, jealous yeah. for his glory, right? That's right. So we do it his way. He has proven he will bring about his his ends according to his will. He gets all the glory. Good deal. We get all the joy. You right. Yeah. I thought about what you're saying that the idea of, you know, wouldn't you have liked to have been that guy that bought all the stock in Amazon? Those guys are genius. Like back in the day, yeah, yeah. they're selling, they went public, they're just a bookstore or whatever. They're all, they're all living on yachts now. You yeah. can be that guy, but with something much more important. Just listen to Jesus and yeah, he yeah. thinks the way he says to do him. Yeah, be a dope. <laughs> just listen to Jesus. Don't think you have to figure it out. <laughs> um, but no, this is a perfect idea. Let's do things in the way the Lord has told us. Yeah. We are not, it's not that we're not worried about outcomes. In the sense that we're not worried about, oh, we want to see good things come about. We sure. want to see the kingdom sure. make advances in this world. We're not worried about them in the sense that we're not like, oh, no, the Lord might not accomplish his task. Yeah. They are done, people. They are yeah. written. We're not to walk according to the fulfillment. Yeah, let's walk in the truth first, trying to figure out some way to deliver truth better. So yeah. like when, when Spurgeon, somebody asked and was talking about his gospel, he doesn't really articulate the gospel well. People are cracking on him. He said, some people... Uh, tr- may teach or preach the gospel better, but no one preaches a better gospel. Mm, that's good. <laughs> Which is, there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, yeah. He says, I, I, yeah, other people are more articulate. Totally get that. But no one gets it more than I do because I need it. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, yeah. good stuff, brother. This is good. Is, um, we're coming to the close here on the end of Paul. Yeah. Well, we could still do more books of Paul. We're, we don't work chronologically that way around here. So. That's true. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll jump into something easy like Romans next. We'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but as we're finishing up, Timothy, and of course, looking towards um, our celebration of Easter here soon, yeah. looking forward to continuing in it. So thank you for your time. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen over there in the interwebs, thank you for your time and joining us again. We hope you continue to be blessed by this. We're continually blessed by meeting with you guys on Sunday morning and enjoying the fellowship of the saints. And then we love doing this with you and we hope uh, that you are benefiting from it. So we look forward to doing it again with you next week, Lord willing. Until then, you guys stay focused on spreading God's fame, making disciples of Jesus Christ and enjoying every moment of it. We'll see you later.